0: Welcome back, Richard. It's it's good to see you on this Christmas weekend. Oh, that's right, Christmas weekend. it, it is Christmas weekend. Your tie um is is of the festive flair, though mine is not. And and in fact, you know, even though it's Christmas uh, weekend, we 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 are not talking about a Christmas or holiday topic today.
1: No, we 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 have always done that in the past. Um, uh, sort of. Catch up with the holidays, Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, and this year we're just sort of staying in our lane and talking about the things that uh, we feel are important day to day. Um, we want, Of course, we want everybody to enjoy the holidays and get a chance to rest up and recharge. And as, as Stephen Covey says, sharpen your saw, mm. Now that you have some time off. But yeah, we're sort of sticking to some topics that um, are, are important to us in our daily work and hopefully important to uh, parents and teachers and probably grandparents because they're going to see their grandkids misbehaving over the next two weeks so they can also benefit from
0: this that's very true and we're going to talk about today one of our favorite topics one of the topics that we talk about quite often Mm -hmm. and, and that is is parenting styles and you know um, we've talked about parenting styles many times before, especially as it relates to, goodness, uh, helicopter parenting, um, mm-hmm. snowplow or lawnmower parenting. Um, we've talked about authoritarian parents and authoritative parents and lots of different types. But um, we're going to talk about um, gentle parenting today, right. which mm-hmm. is, is a, a relatively new um, vernacular for, right. for a parenting style that we're going to talk about. But you know, just, just as a reminder for folks, you know, we started, we first really started talking about parenting styles back in the seventies.
1: Right. Yeah. And,
0: and that's when a researcher identified three parenting styles, authoritative, authoritarian, and permissive um, neglectful parenting was, was added a little bit later, but right. those three primary parenting styles were, were yeah. identified and you can, you can look at the way in which the parent interacts with the child to determine, you know, generally speaking, which, which of these three um, types of parent might fall into.
1: Right. You know, and parenting style basically uh, comes down to two, two things. One is um, how much control do you want to have as a parent? You know, do right. you want, and so parents want absolute control versus those who don't feel that they need to be right. um, in total control. So one is how much control do you need? And the other is what is your response style? You know, when your children make a mistake or are disobedient or defiant or disrespectful, how do right. you respond to that? And some parents respond with a very heavy hand right. and say, you're never going to do that again. And others uh, at the other extreme might ignore it or might um, underplay its importance. So keep in mind, when we talk about parenting style, we're talking about how much control you need, we feel that you need, right. and and what is your response style?
0: Uh, absolutely. And so just as a as a quick... Example: You have authoritarian parents who um, exhibit significant control. They, right. you know, they're right. the parents who say, "Because I said so," and mm-hmm. um, you know they want absolute compliance. Right. Um, and but they also are, are quite very reactive. Right. Um, you know right. they react pretty pretty profoundly to to student to child misbehavior. Right. But then on the other end, you have passive parents who you know don't want that much control. They let their child kind of do everything and they don't respond at all. Right. Really. Um, you know, especially at that neglectful um, mm-hmm. end of the, that spectrum. And so you have this broad range of, of response styles in those two domains. And so right. now over, over the years, as I mentioned, there's been other parenting styles that have sort of been added to this um, list attachment parenting and as I said helicopter parenting, free range parenting but today we're going to talk a little bit about gentle parenting and it's a it's one that we had not really heard too much about um, mm-hmm. you've heard it kind of the, the phrase thrown out every once in a while um, recently but today we're going to dive into it just a little bit more.
1: Right. Yeah, because I think that um in our in our work, the work that you and I have done, books and blogs and podcasts and workshops, we incur I think we 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 sort of um skew to the gentle parenting philosophy uh right. that is probably for most kids, I think for the overwhelming majority of children gentle parenting is probably something to use or at least to consider um to consider using. Um, We encourage parents to, on the one hand, set reasonable and age appropriate boundaries and expectations. Right. But within that stadium, I call it a stadium of boundaries and expectations. Let children explore and test and and fail. Uh, Let them let them, you know, push push their own boundaries so that they learn how to manage disappointment and failure, Um, because otherwise, if they're if they're only succeeding, right? They're never going to learn. They're never going to push themselves hard enough. Okay. So what we want to do though, and I, Bernie, I can remember we had a patient, I think when maybe you and I were first starting, this could have been 20 years ago or something. She, the, the child was a kindergarten student and the school, School kept saying, "Well, we can't get her out of the van." <laughs> uh, they were I laughing because that of that. Wait a minute, she weighs forty pounds. What do you mean you can't get her? You pick her up, put her under your arm, and take her into school. Um, and and they and we we were struck by that because we can't get her out of the van. And I'm I'm picturing three adults and a and a forty year old uh forty pound kid, you know, and we can't can't get her out of the van. Yeah. What kids need to learn, and you and I are, are I think staunch advocates of this. They do need to learn that they can't encroach on the rights and privileges of others. Right? Okay? I mean, when we talk about gentle parenting, we're not talking about permissive parenting. Right. Um, kids need to learn there's no hitting and biting. You, you don't scream in a store. You don't you don't play tag with your brother while you're in a grocery store. So we we want to um, give kids those messages that you don't encroach on the rights and privileges of others but they're encouraged to make mistakes and to ask questions and to explore as long as they're not imposing on others. So we're firm believers in, yes, there should be boundaries. Yes, there should be expectations, but there also have to be places, an an arena where children can explore their world and learn about it and learn from the mistakes that they make.
0: Absolutely. And, And with that in mind, you know, we, have mentioned and, and talked many times on the podcast about our sort of avoidance of the use of rewards and punishments as mm. a method of parenting, because mm. that is, you know, the, the imposition of external control mm. on um, on the child with the, with the goal, you know, with the explicit goal of, you know, um, coercing or, or or forcing the child into compliance. Right. That's right. <laughs> and, and you know and again as we've talked about many times before in doing so we we tend to risk um missing a lot of important lessons a lot of important um uh you know appreciations for why things are important as opposed to doing it just because you're told to do it right. um and you know we won't that is a, a rabbit trail that we really uh, that we enjoy going down sometimes because it's such an important point. Um, but we won't do that today. Right. But but you know, we we avoid that um that temptation of rewards and punishments for that reason because we don't we don't feel as though it's that important as important to exert so much external control um without guidance and and education and, and information and an understanding as to what we are really looking for the child to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah the type of parenting you do. Um, is tied to whatever your value system is. I mean, it, right. it reflects your personal values. And there are parents who, who will say, I, my child is going to be obedient, period. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most important thing, is that my child right. is obedient and does what I ask. Um, and But to get there, um, I mean, I think we agree that children should should not encroach on the rights of others. They right. should not impose on others. But how we get there is very different. And if you're using external means to control children, then we are back to control. You know, yeah. what is your parenting style? If you're coercing children to be compliant or obedient, it doesn't matter whether you're rewarding them for doing it or punishing them for doing it. You're still the commander. You're still the rewarder. You're still the decision maker. And you're imposing, you're coercing the child Um to perform in a certain way.
0: Right.
1: We want children to behave. We want children to be self-regulating, but how we get there is the issue here. Okay. And what we're saying is we're going to ask that you not use coercive methods because there are better ways to get to the same goal. Okay. You don't need to have total control. You don't need to be um, aggressive in your reaction to your children, if your response to your children. Okay. Right. There are better ways to do it. And I think gentle parenting is one, you know, you and I wrote that book years ago. And what was the theme? Teach kids, don't punish them if they're not. And you and I are believe, I mean, if, if kids can, they will, Right. Um, they, most kids want to do the right thing most of the time. Right?
0: right. And I, and I think that the, the, the crux of all of that is we, we want kids to do things because they know that it's what they're supposed to do, not because they are being um, not because they're being coerced or, or forced to do it based upon rewards and punishments. Right. Uh, we want them to do it because they know that this is what you're supposed to do. And, and you, you can only do that when a child understands why they need to do it.
1: Right. That's right. And, and that's what that's where we're trying to get. That's where we're trying to get to, because eventually, if, remember, you have to keep in mind that eventually this child is going to have to make his or her own decisions, right, right? right? And so we have to equip them to become their own decision makers. And if we rely totally on external control, in other words, you're doing it because you get something for it, or you do it because you're afraid not to, um, you're never going to have the opportunity to learn to do it for your own reasons, whether right. it's homework or chores or walking, it doesn't matter what it is.
0: Right. Absolutely. So, so let's talk a little bit about what gentle parenting is. And, and this is a a parenting approach that really encourages a, a, a partnership um, relate type of relationship between the parent and the child. Right. And, you know, the the idea, as we we're kind of suggesting, is that the goal is to help the child <clears throat> follow a path where they end up making choices and decisions for compliance and, and to to do what they're intended to do um, based upon an internal willingness to do it based right. upon a, a an internal drive and one of the articles that we have linked to in the, in the show notes is is from a, um, a Montessori site right and, and right. that is very much akin to the Montessori model, which is right. you know mm-hmm. kids have an internal drive to learn to to understand and we believe right. a, an internal drive to comply. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to meet our expectations. Yes, they're going to push limits. Yes, they're going to, you know, see where those boundaries are, but they want to be compliant so that, um, you know, they make us happy and they, you know, it it creates cohesiveness in the family. And we want that as opposed to a compliance due to those external pressures that we were talking about. And and gentle parenting goes flows in that same direction.
1: Right. And it also includes modeling the behavior that you want right um you know you we all know that you can't ask children i mean you can parents will say well i can do that because i'm an adult okay Mm -hmm. well you're not modeling the behavior that you want your child and your child is going to do what she sees not what she's told
0: richard how many times do we hear parents Mm -hmm. say you know they're wanting their kids to stop eating sweets but the Mm -hmm. people keeps buying sweets and there's you know bags of sweets in in the pantry and they say, well, everybody else in the house shouldn't be punished just because they can't have sweets. Right. Well, n- no one in the house needs sweets. Right. You know, right. it's not it's not a, it's not like a it, dietary necessity. It's not oxygen. <laughs> right. So. So, yeah, it, it's we need to model the behavior that we want our kids to to perform.
1: That's right. And so what we want to do is model behaviors that encourage compassion, and um, that allows you to express your emotions in a reasonable, uh, socially appropriate way. Uh, It's okay to express your feelings, but you do it this way. We we often tell children, no, it's okay to be angry. That's normal, but you can't punch holes in the wall. Mm -hmm. That's not, okay? So, but these have to be modeled and they have to be shaped over time. And gentle parenting does that. Authoritarian parenting demands that you stop and therein lies the difference how are you going to get to the same goal
0: right so so one of the 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 other article actually the first article um linked in the show notes is is an article that talks about why gentle parenting doesn't why some people say that gentle parenting doesn't work for for them or for their their child And, and and what one of the arguments is that you know that there are students, there are children who, I keep saying students, there are children who who misbehave and and those children need to learn compliance and they need to learn to, you know, just do what they're told to do. Right. And, and I, I like what you said earlier that, you know, parenting style really needs to be and really is rooted in our personal values. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other key to our parenting style is what our, what our kids need, right? Our values and the child's needs, those things need to come together as we look at our parenting style. And I think that that's some of the reasons why a parenting style like gentle parenting may seem like it works with some kids, but doesn't work with other kids.
1: Right. That's right. Right. Yeah. uh, Even no matter what parenting style we're talking about, what this, what this article talks about is gentle parenting fails. Why does it fail? Well, we're not, it doesn't fail. Right. It works with many children. Right. Um, you can have two children and I'm <laughs> um, full disclosure, I have two grandchildren living in the same house, same gene, same parents, extraordinarily different. They yeah. are day and night. Gentle parenting works with one it doesn't work with the other because their their temperaments are different. One is a very easy child, does everything she's asked to do, doesn't need to be direct. I mean, when she gets tired, she gets cranky, but generally does everything. The other child is always testing the limits, okay? It's just the difference in temperament. So you provide each child with what's needed and what's effective. So you can have the same rules and this is a this is a fundamental mistake that many parents make. The rules apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. So a rule is no cell phones at the dinner table. Right. Nobody bring nobody, not the parents, not the kids, know it. So the rule applies to everybody. But the consequences, the strategies, the messages you give to each child could be very, very different. Right. right? And that, that's where the difference is. It's not the rules that are different. It's what you do with each child, because you have to raise the child you have. My right. son has two very different children, and right. so he has to do one thing with one child and something different with the other child. So gentle parenting will work with with most children. Does it work with all children? No, nothing works with all children, so right. but it works with most
0: right because some some kids need tighter boundaries right they need um uh sh i' use the word stricter and and by strict I mean more um immediacy more consistency and more um sometimes even more inflexibility, more rigidness when it comes to expectations
1: has to be more black and white. Cause that's all they understand. When with the other one, you can be subtle, but with this right. one, you have to say, no, that's an, it's a hard no.
0: Right. And, and we've talked before too, about what the idea, what, what is misbehavior? You know, when we talk right. about kids misbehaving, you know, behaving is behaving behavior it is just an action it is just what we see usually most of the time a behavior is meant to serve a message to send a message or, or meet some kind of need or something well we can either look at that as a as a, a nuisance or as a problem or as an issue or we can try to figure out what the message is right yep. and the message may be as simple as i am I am, I have too much energy to sit still right now. Right. right. That could be the message. Right. And so, so then our response isn't I'm going to punish you until you've, you can sit still right. or right. it could be, well, let's figure out how to get, get rid of some of that energy in an appropriate way. Right. Yeah. Um, so that you can, so that you can do what you need to do. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Misbehaving, you behave to get your needs met. You, you yeah. do whatever you have to do to get, to, we all do that. That's universal. So you have to be careful about how you use this word misbehave. Does that mean that you broke a rule? Does it mean you refused? You were defiant? You were disobedient? What does the word, and you have to think carefully as a parent or a teacher or or a partner, what does the word misbehave mean? And to us, it means you behave to get your needs met. Mm -hmm. You don't have to attach the miss to it. You can just say, my child is behaving in some way. I need to understand what need is my child trying to meet?
0: Right. Yeah. Because there there are there are maladaptive ways to have needs met. Absolutely. And and that's the case for kids and adults. And Uh, and one thing. Yeah. One thing to remember
1: is sometimes kids behave just to have fun. (laughs) It might be fun to run through the department store playing tag with your brother. Okay, they they may
0: just not. it It was fun. You know, that's the only reason I was doing it. Just wanted to have fun. Right. And so when you say, why do you keep doing that? And they say, I don't know. they really, that probably is the true answer. They, they may not know. It. Exactly. But you, that's where
1: you have to step in as a parent, help them understand why they're doing what they're doing.
0: Right. And and, and as a parent make decisions now may not be the best time to be in the department store <laughs> because right. they have too much energy. They, they, they need to be moving a little bit more. And so we need to do something different. So right. And, and, you know, another issue or another point that a lot of people will bring up when they talk about the effectiveness of different parenting styles is that that kids need to learn compliance. Right. And, and you know, I think that, again, this is one of those words in one of those situations where it's, there's a lot more gray than people recognize. Because right. what, what do we mean by, you know, what do we mean by compliance? Are we talking yeah. about blind obedience Right. Are we talking mm-hmm. about cooperation or are we talking about, you know, working with someone to, um to, to solve a problem? Right. What are we talking about when we use the word compliance and, and we have to be very careful with that.
1: That's right. Um, if we just mean obedience, um, that's where, that's where we have to be careful. Cause I don't think that's what we really want. And I don't think we're going to get cooperation through coercion. Okay? Right. And, and then the last, the last part of that phrase, and, and just to remind listeners, what we're talking about here is this notion that um, to when children misbehave, they ha- they need to learn compliance, and there are scientifically validated ways to gain that compliance, and this becomes an important issue because one of the things you read about in um, professional journals is well, well these we have these effective ways to make children compliant well one of those ways is spanking right? right and and spanking has been scientifically validated as a way to make kids compliant in fact the woman who um who came up with the four uh, the three types of parenting styles was an advocate for spanking and and there are many others who advocate that we that it's okay to spank children because it's evidence-based and it works. And that's where I want people to be careful, professionals and uh, parents, be careful with this notion of evidence-based strategies right. because spanking is an evidence-based strategy, but that doesn't mean, you, that may not mean that you're going to use it. So right. just because something is scientifically validated doesn't necessarily mean that you should be using it.
0: Right. And, and let, let's just be clear when we talk about it being um, evidence-based, you, you know, in spanking, because we've talked many times before how the research doesn't necessarily support general, um, you know, generalizability of, of behavior based upon the use of, of spanking as the primary method of, of adjusting behavior. Right. It, it's, it's evidence-based because, you know, when you look at the population in general. Right. Kids who are spanked oftentimes will be, compli- you know, tend to be more compliant. Well, what it doesn't necessarily take into account is that about 80% of kids are going to be compliant, whether you spank them or not. Right. So, you don't know, just because you spank a child and they're compliant doesn't mean that you had to spank the child for them to be compliant. And, and that, right. you know, you can't really research that because you can't go backwards in time and say, okay, now let's do all of this again but without right. spanking and see if the child is still compliant. You, you That's can't right. do that.
1: We can't do the kind of research that this it really takes to answer these questions. Right. And, and, you know, you say, well, I spanked my child and my child turned out okay. That's fine. But what else did you do? Right. Or, did, you know, so, so spanking doesn't become the issue. You know um, it's like, what is the totality of your parenting and which, what are the things that made your child turn out the way she did?
0: Right. And just a, a, a one more quick example of <clears throat> where this is is a bit slippery is that, you know, th- there very well could be and probably is some evidence based research that demonstrates that alcohol reduces anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that does not mean that alcohol is a good, um, <laughs> a, a good treatment for anxiety. Right. Uh, it's not something that we would recommend for, for anxiety. And so, yes, because of what it does neurobiologically to us, um, it it resolves, you know, and, and it limits or resolves or um, eases our anxiety. But that doesn't mean that it's a good treatment. So right. just because it's evidence based doesn't mean that it's necessarily something that we want to value and use. That's right. And and whatever whatever you take,
1: whatever you use for an intervention you don't wanna ask, is it evidence-based? I think that's where we've gone uh, astray with this whole evidence-based thing. You don't use something because it's evidence-based. You use something because it's effective. Spanking is evidence-based. Cognitive behavioral therapy is evidence-based, but it doesn't work for everybody. Um, Drugs are evidence-based, but you may decide not to use them, okay? So just because something is evidence-based doesn't mean that it's what you want to use for this particular child. The other thing to remember is that what what professional researchers, I say professional researchers, they're usually college professors. When they do research, they do them under pretty strict laboratory control, okay? And what works in a research study, a nicely well-designed, tightly structured research study may not work in your living room, okay? Those are two very different places. Um, and B.F. Skinner comes to mind that in a laboratory setting, You can make this stuff work in a very busy living room or
0: kitchen. It may not work as well. Absolutely. So, so as we're working towards wrapping up this week, there's a few Mm -hmm. things that we want you to think about. First off, you know, think about as you're looking at your parenting style and what you, Mm -hmm. how you want to approach your, your parenting, parenting your kid. The first thing is ask yourself, what do you want? You know, Mm -hmm. if you want a, if you want a, child who is an all-star a child who makes all a's a child who never experiences failure Mm -hmm. um they that is a very different type of parenting than if you want a a child who you know who experiences life in a more organic you know way um Mm -hmm. because remember nothing can be always (laughs) Um, right. anytime that you want a child to earn all A's or always win or always, you know, have the perfect score, inevitably you're going to get to a point where they don't. So what are you going to do then? Right. How are you going to manage that? How are you going to manage a time when what you want, what your value is, doesn't match what your child needs? That's right. Or who your That's child is. Clash. Yeah. Right. Or who, exactly who your child is. That's right. where the big clash and that's where significant problems that end up coming into our offices, that, that's where those, those things begin.
1: That's right. Because if you set out to create an all star or if you say to your child, you are capable of getting all A's and I am going to do everything I can to make sure you do that. That's a recipe for disaster because now you're talking about coercive parenting, whether it's reward or punishment. You know, I'll buy you a car if you get all A's. That's coercion. That's it's a reward, but it's still coercion. You, you're doing this not for the value of learning, you're doing it because you get something for it. Okay. That's yeah. not where you want, that's not how you want to do this. Okay. At some point, you're absolutely right. At some point, there's gonna be a clash between parental expectations and who the child is. And I think we learned that, remember, uh, you all remember Tiger Mom, you know, this idea that you can make your child into something or the, the, the you know, father is coach or the, the uh, stage mother who's gonna push her daughter to be, well, eventually there's gonna be some clash between those two. The other issue is, can you manufacture an all-star? Can a parent, you know, have this little bundle of joy and look down and say, you are going to be an all-star baseball player. Can you do that? Possibly. But at what cost? You know, what is is it going to cost you? What is it going to cost the child? What's it going to cost your relationship? So we need to begin. You have to decide what do you want? And and are you able to say, I'm going to make this child a professional athlete or not all a straight A student or a doctor or whatever? Right. The
0: the, the next thing you have to ask yourself is, is when your child presents with behavior that you Are are, you know, disapprove of, or that you, you want to stop. Mm -hmm. Is it because they can't do what you want them to do, or is it because they won't do what you want them to do? Right. And the difference between can't and won't is immeasurable. That that is a significant difference because Mm -hmm. what we tend to, to do what parents, many parents tend to do is they assume that it's a won't do they, they, they tend to assume that the child knows what they need to do, is fully capable of doing what they need to do, knows when to do it, mm-hmm. and chooses not to. Right. And, it, and it blows my mind every time when we had the discussions with parents and kids about this, because the child will agree, every time I do that behavior, I get in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble. But the parent still feels that the kid does it intentionally. Knowing that they're going to get in trouble, knowing that they're going to lose their privileges, knowing that they're going to, you know, mm-hmm. be in the doghouse for for a while, but they choose to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. We often we we encourage parents to consider the can't do that. Right. You know, there maybe there's some component. Sure, they can in, they they can perform the behavior. Sure, they know that they should be perform the behavior, but they don't always have the full capacity to perform that behavior that they know how to do at the time that they need to do it. That's right. Because they can't do.
1: You know, one of the most heartbreaking, you know, and and when we talk about won't, and that's what most parents do, they go to won't. You know, she she won't do it. She won't obey. She won't. They go to won't, okay? Stay with can't. You know, if you stay with can't and you say, if they can't, they either don't know how, it's a skilled deficit that they have. They don't know what you're asking them to do. Or they're too emotionally overwhelmed to do it. Right. And that's as legitimate as they don't know how. Sometimes kids are so tired, we know that, or they get emotionally overwhelmed that they can't do it. One of the most heartbreaking phrases that I hear from parents and teachers is, well, I know he knows how to do it. He's just being disobedient. Right. Well, um, I'm, an, I'm an adult, Um There are times when I can be incredibly patient Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and there are times when I can't be, right. I can't tell you why, but I know that though I know I'm supposed to be patient every once in a while, I lose my patience. All right. Kids do the same. That's what
0: kids are like. Well, Richard, like, you know, we can talk with the parents at the same time that they're saying this about their kid. And you can say, "Had there ever, has there ever been a time when you had a really stressful day at work And you come home, and you're a little more volatile. You're a little bit more likely to get into an argument with your your partner or with your kids that has absolutely nothing to do with your partner or your kids. But you just had a rough. Do do you not think that your kids could be the same same way that they there could be something going on that makes it to where they can't make the decision that they should make.
1: And that's part of the, that's the crux of gentle parenting is that we're saying, look, give your kids, if I get emotionally overwhelmed at work, made a mistake or ran into a problem, I could, I'm going to bring that home with mm-hmm. me and I'm going to be different to my family when I walk through the door, Okay. Kids do exactly the same thing. We, we understand as adults that oh, I've had a bad day today. I didn't right. get enough sleep. I got I got badgered at work. I'm, I'm being reprimanded for something I did or didn't do at work. And so it changes my mood. It changes my emotional valence. That's exactly what happens with children. It, yeah. It's not that they're being disobedient or defiant or that they know how to do this so they can do it all the time. I, I know how to be patient too, but I don't do it all the time. Right? We're, we're simply saying, give your children the same grace that you give yourself.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, take consideration of these things. And, you know, you you said a minute ago, you you don't want to latch onto something just because people say it's effective, just because, you know, truly, just because there's research to say that it's effective, because there's research that can prove effectiveness for just about everything. You know, I've even read um, articles that, maybe justify I don't know if that's the right word justify or know. you know, hey you know what sometimes alcoholism just happens and you know and you know you just have to look at what's going on and, and maybe it's just a functional thing for that person and, and so be careful what you read and just because it says it's effective doesn't mean that it's going to be effective for you in your situation with you and your child that's right um, just think about these other questions you know what do you want And how do you want to view your child's behavior? Is it a can't do or won't do?
1: Right. That's right. You can find evidence-based strategies for anything in the world. Okay. But that doesn't mean that it's right for this particular child. It's not, it may not be appropriate for this particular person.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, that is it for today. We'll be back next week for... Our last podcast of the year of 2020. That's
1: right. We really are at the cusp next week because we're going to bid um, farewell to 2023 and begin to look forward to 2024. Hopefully 2024 won't go by as
0: quickly as 23 did, but we'll see. You fly by some. All right. Until then. Okay. All right. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Forget to be afraid.